just get it in for Ben. Across shot, score! Playoff hockey is back as the Dallas Stars begin their quest for the cup. Level up the intensity, boost the excitement, and power up the passion. There's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't miss a second of the action as the Stars begin their pursuit of hockey's ultimate prize. One-timer, score! Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets to reserve your seat. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. All right, everybody, one more order of business before capping the sensational 2022-23 season for our Dallas Stars, and that is, are they Central Division champs or not? Now, when you consume this, you may already know, uh, but as we do this, record it, we do not know because there's one more game to be played. Stars have done all that they can do. So uh, Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, we're waiting. We're big Nashville Predator fans, which makes me want to go into the other room and draw a bath and maybe run a shower, but that's the way things unfold here in the Central Division in Game 82s. And uh, we'll get back we'll get back to that. I'll, I'll well first off before we leave it and then we'll get back to it. <laughs> Welcome once again my my good friend the incomparable Mike Heika who looks really disheveled on Zoom as we do this today. You can't and you can't see me. I can see you. I watched you hydrate for this, so you must be really bringing the noise today because you were guzzling down a Gatorade, just getting ready for this, which reminds me that the Podman Rush is brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. I do not have a Truly in front of me. Uh, but the the idea of the Central Division crown, the, they've played great this year. They've had a tremendous season. I want them to win it. I want them to to get more laundry into the rafters at American Airlines Center. They've stated they want to win it. And the reality is nobody really remembers who finished second. I don't care how close it was. If, if it's like this where it's, again, yoga pants close, uh, tight in the uh, top of the central division, you want to win it. Because if I went back through the years that – the Stars won divisional titles and asked you, okay, who finished second? You'd have a tough time figuring that out. That's just the way it is. You concur? Yes, true. <laughs> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> true Lee Seltzer. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, they've only gotten, what, one in the last 15, 16 seasons? Um, and you know, this used to be like an annual rite of passage. Oh, yeah, well, they're division champs. Um, so winning this one and then having the story to tell that, you know, if Colorado loses this one, I think they'll be 16-3 and 2 or whatever yeah. down the stretch and you still beat them. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's It's been a it's been truly a stakes race going down. It's yeah. not, not one of these where it's like, oh, man, they had a 10-point lead and they've really squandered it. Like everybody just keeps winning. Yeah. Uh, but you're, I mean, you're Minnesota was on a run and yes. they lost like two or three in a row. Nope, nope, sorry, not good enough. You're out of the picture. 
Uh, so it would be the four central crown. They won in 96, 97, 97, 98, and then again in 15, 16. And they've also captured five Pacific titles. They did that between 1998 and 2006. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's a whole page. There's two pages, I think, in the media guide that are dedicated to division crowns. So do it. Get it done. Well, they've done what they can get done. What am I saying? You're right. And all it does is it, it figures out for them who they're going to play in the first round. And uh, we still don't know that, as I mentioned. But before we get into more of that and the options that lay before us, uh, while we wait, I, I want to talk about consumption. Okay. It is a the, very... The 1800s disease consumption. <laughs> Isn't that what you got on the Oregon Trail? I'm trying to be... I'm cracking myself up here, Daryl. This is one of the reasons why we may not have you back next year, Mike. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> no, it's a very turbulent time in televising, broadcasting, presenting NHL hockey and really sports in general. And not going to get into our situation here with Bally, everyone and all parties just hoping for the best as Diamond Sports bankruptcy plays out and this whole tumult uh, hopefully gets a little calmer in that. No. What I want to banty about with the wall-to-wall full throttle of playoff hockey's opening round, nigh, I want to talk about uh, all the ways that our broadcast is dissected, edited, repackaged, and distributed. Now, we do the entire game. But it gets sliced, diced, julienned, ginsued, and and piecemealed, which is fine, right? Like highlights appear on the NHL network right after games, and various outlets, outlets uh, really across the globe, wherever they want to get a little shot of. Miro Haskinen or Radic Foxa or Joe Pavelski or whatever they need, they have to get our pictures. And at times, my dulcet tones, and along with Josh. So the game is condensed, and, and Tom Holy's going to love this, and it lives on the team website and NHL.com in a couple of forms. So you can find it under the banner of full game recap, which is five minutes or so, and also extended highlights that is nine minutes long. Like most things in life, the titles are kind of arse backwards, in my mind anyway. Extended highlights should be full game recap, should they not? Yes. Like it's a full game recap. Yeah, it's always it's always struck me as wrong. And then full game recap should be condensed game yeah. because it's the shorter of the two. Well, you you agree? You're I do. You're captain concur for me today. I like this. Well, I will give you one that that kind of makes me laugh as we talk about this. I always send out the shorter one because I'm like people don't want to watch nine minutes of highlights. Come on, what a jerk! I know, and it's, but I'm also like, a well, saint. 
Well, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm going like, well, Daryl won't mind if I just send out the five minute one. I mean, that's what people want. Well, to watch. I do actually. I do as I an as an an analyst or analyst or or color commentator. Uh, the the real short one basically just edits me out of it completely. <laughs> it's all just play by play. It is. It's just it's just <laughs> the call of the goals. And sometimes people just want the business. Josh yep. Bogorad and I had a long conversation about this over barbecue the other day, which was pretty funny. Anyway, my point to all of this is that the league does, I think, a very poor job of marketing these broadcast options for our very time-deprived, minuscule attention span world that we live in these days. Like, I'll be honest with you, until we had the conversation the other day, I didn't realize that they actually officially put out two different length condensed versions of our games. Interesting. And I, th I think he was telling me that the, the longer one is ends up just being whatever team was at home, the home broadcast. They don't, they don't provide both. Whereas I believe your shorter one, that you grab and stick on the intra web, uh, you can choose from. You can either do the home or the away feed. Yeah, I always send out, and I typically put on the Twitter, "Hey, Josh and Razor, we'll take you through the highlights here." Uh, yeah, but you're I, lying because I'm not really doing that. I'm edited well, out of the whole thing. I think I've heard two or three words at least. Oh, look, there's Daryl. He's saying "Wow" or "Sapient." See, now you're patronizing and mocking me. <laughs> But don't you think that 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 should be they they should be bullhorning that yes out there that and I wonder whether the reason they don't is because they they're trying to take care of their broadcast partners too yes and they're because I I know way back when this first started there was some debate uh, probably more than debate uh, elevated discord between the two parties, because it was like, look, if you're going to make these things 15 minutes long, people are not going to even bother watching our games at all in any yes. length. And the NBA, I believe the NBA does one on YouTube. It's like 13 minutes long. And from what I've heard, you can basically just watch that. You get everything in the game. Yeah. Because you... As you know, there are scoring chances, there are big hits, there are moments within a game beyond just a goal or the six or seven that we've seen most games this season, which is a lot. But remember when it was just like, okay, first team to three is going to win, so you had five right. goals. Uh, and there's more, more that goes on in two and a half hours. But I, I just think, especially this time now, your playoffs got all these games going on in that that a lot of people should be like that that should be just ready it should be put on blast that man you you can if you didn't have time or if you just watch this one you want to watch the other ones but you don't have enough time for any kind of long form here we have it for you we're yeah. going to just we're just going to spoon it to you right yes and and i do think they're you know because of what we have done with digital product that a lot of people are just don't want anything to do with commercials. And so, you know, they don't want to watch it live. They just want to see it condensed. And then, you know, yeah, I agree. I mean, if, if this is a really good option, then we should be, you know, 
using it to sell advertising and, and we do a little bit, but I mean, even more so. And, you know, telling people, hey, you can get this all here. I'll give you an aside, too. So we send out the interviews. Um, after right. Well, that game. was going to be my next point. So perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I basically use those to write my story. And I mean, why not just watch the interviews? Why do you need to hear it from me? You can actually hear it from the players. Uh, so I've, I've always thought that's interesting, too. But I, I, I'll tweet that out every morning uh, because I do think the fans enjoy it. And, and there are mm -hmm. nuggets in there that I don't get to that, you know, if Pete's just updating uh, different players who aren't playing in the game, uh, I think, you know, diehard fans want to see that. Mm -hmm. I believe that's known in the vernacular as from the horse's mouth, Mike. Indeed. Uh, and uh, as much as I'm not a huge fan of the in-game interviews and that, because huff and puffing, pucks deep, get on our forecheck is not the most scintillating use of that time. But people do like to hear from them. And yes. the stuff that you do, and I must commend you, because you've done it, I think you've done an outstanding job of ferreting out information on game days and that, and, and putting it out there. I mean, if Without your questions at times, there are no questions in the morning skate and that. Uh, so good on you. Keep going. You. And you're asking questions, which is a just a massive improvement in your world, Mike. Go from I statement to question. I used, to like, I used question. to like to just have conversations. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they weren't conversations, Mike. They were statements by you. Well, I went to the Bob Sturm School of Question Asking. No, so. It wasn't the length. It was just the, I loved it because it was just a statement about yeah. things. And hey, Wyatt Johnson's playing well, huh? <laughs> and I remember long ago, Darian was the best, Darian Hatcher, because I would, I would not ask a question sometimes. You know, it would just be a little bit of the same thing. Should yeah. be, you know, a little little thought bubble over my head and that, and then stick the mic in, in front of his lips. And Darian would give that, huh? Is there a question in there? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you're right. I should That's ask a you a question. And I don't know whether I've told you or not, or uh, anybody listening to this, but one of the greatest pieces of advice I got was when I was working uh, for NBC and doing doing games for them and Sam Flood was their executive producer. And as much as he could be all, a lot of other things, greatest piece of advice. Cause, and I remember when he first said it, I was kind of like, not offended, but it was just kind of like, really? But he said, you need to ask a question when you're, when you're interviewing this, pl these players, cause I had to do one at the beginning of uh warm up and at the end of warm up. So I was doing two and then talk to coaches. It was, you know, a lot of interviews, which is not that much fun in game. And he said, you have to ask a question and you have to ask it in eight to 12 seconds. Wow. And then it, as this has gone on and as, as I, I put that into practice and that it, it's, it's perfect. You need to be succinct and you need to actually ask a question. So now when I hear people, you know, interviewing and there's nothing worse than talk about, uh, which you get a lot of still. Uh, but most of the time I'm like, why are you going on and on? And just ask your question. The whole idea of interviewing someone is to have them talk. And, and I, I think it, it's, it's a remarkable little window into 
the room and some thoughts and just seeing the players speak in that that you do on game days and uh, pre and post, it's just important stuff. So you d- you've done a great job this season. You've, you've helped me so much no, because I you, no. you really have, because you do have ideas on stuff. I, I call you the commissioner of aesthetics <laughs> because you, you understand how things should be presented and, and it really does help a great deal. Anyway, back to my nice of you to say, but back to my stuff. <laughs> also heard from some people that beyond blackouts, and I never thought of this, the inability to jump around on streaming platforms is a bit challenging. Everyone just got so used to in the cabled world where it's like, okay, they went to commercial, bang, I'm over to this game. Boom, I'm over to that game. And at times with with uh, streaming, you got to log in and log out. You got to kind of lock on to the one game that you're watching. Although multi-screens, everyone's watching with with their phone in their hand, are they not? Nowadays, yeah, they're they're looking at Twitter. You know, if not, that gives you an option to move around. Right. If if not a game on on this thing, and maybe on a computer or an iPad, and one on the television, and that. Uh, Anyway, I I just I just want streamlined consumption of what we toil and aspire to provide. And I want everyone either to get paid in the producers of all this and the distributors or pay something fair in the consumers, you know, yeah. just, just, just get back to that level. That's, that's all. I think that's all anybody really wants in this whole thing. So, uh, cause it's the greatest time of year here now, especially in, for those that don't know, we, we will do the first round on Bally Southwest. And then after that, it goes to the Nationals the rest of the way. And we would continue on on the ticket on the radio side. Uh, and some people go through all the machinations of of linking up or, you know, we simulcast all year. And then they they have to work to get that to work with the televised pictures. I appreciate all you out there that do that. That cannot be easy at all. I will give you this one. I appreciate the fact that we have simulcast. I know it's a pain in the butt at times. doesn't work all the time. But for the simple fact that you guys will be calling every playoff game somewhere, uh, I think that's fantastic for the fans. And, and, you know, they're very lucky that this team has a weird simulcast that has their two best guys on, you know, on radio. Well, again, Mike, you're really fawning over me today. Very nice. Uh, I, I just, I appreciate it when people go through those hoops and barrels in order to do it. And I also appreciate when the highlights get edited down with the radio <laughs> call over top of the moving That's pictures. That's true. Yeah, I do. Uh, even the Podman Rush gets edited down. There's a little tease. They put this thing out on DallasStars.com. You know that? We get edited down. I didn't down. know that. Yeah, we do. Uh, all of it brought to you by Truly all season long. Okay. Hopefully, the, hopefully they cut your stuff and leave mine in. Well, they want people to listen, Mike. So, <laughs> okay. The uh, the season wraps up last night. Perfect. One nothing. Literally, defensively. Uh, and I mean, I was talking with the Musers or Musers Light this morning on the ticket about all these things and and they they just check every single box this season. And especially when you 
leap forward now to the postseason where we don't talk at all now about who, who cares what happened in three-on-three three and that in shootouts. There, there are going to be none of those. Now, a little more success, and they'd probably already have the division locked down right now, but it is what it was, and uh, time to skip forward. But everything else, can you think of another area in which they didn't excel? Because I can't. No, I'm blown away sometimes because, you know, I got to do a little previews and look for stupid numbers and everything like that. And so I'm looking at games decided by three or more goals. The Dallas Stars have 29. Second place, I think, is Toronto has 25. So 29 yeah. games decided by, like, they just were blowing people out. And, and it was fun. It was fun to watch. Um, and then, yet, like you said, I mean, goals for, goals against, power play, penalty kill, face-offs, they're top whatever, top five, six, seven uh, in pretty much every category. Yeah, and even that thing that you mentioned about winning by three or more goals is a deviation from what has gone on in past where, and and this is no knock against those that had come before, but, you know, a, a, a 2-1 lead or a 3-1 lead just they were going to win three to one or three to two at the end of the night, you know, like there, there wasn't that as much of a mentality to throttle forward and let, let's make this as easy as possible. Let's not deviate from how we built whatever lead we had and, and win that way. And I think that fed it a little bit. I'm still just absolutely shocked by the fact that they went through 82 games and, never lost more than two games in a row in regulation. To me, that, that their, their penalty killing and how disciplined they got to where they were only forced to kill like two or three penalties a game over and over and over. Remember the beginning of the season? Yes. <laughs> it was like, oh, man, this is going to be something else this year. They're getting after it, but uh, and they were excellent right out of the box with their penalty killing, very aggressive. And but they had to kill five and six a night over and over. And then once they got a handle on what Pete DeBoer wanted them to do, uh, and Yanni started avoiding the penalty box, the uh, they, they they were never shorthanded, they never no. overtaxed that group. And that that entire group of what like eight guys or whatever it would be that kill penalties, um, more than that, I guess, 10. They they need to be applauded. They they did phenomenal work this season. Just embraced the role and and how they were gonna uh, asphyxiate these power plays that they faced. So I, I thought that was phenomenal. And just the overall general uh, machine like nature to their their trapes through eighty two games, where they were excellent on the road for the most part. They were really really good at home and so consistent in, in the way that they, they played and had success. And a lot of that probably Mike uh, fed into it was, was the fact they were extremely healthy. Yes. And Pete, Pete said the other day, the fact that they reduced minutes for pretty much everybody, but Miro, he thinks could have played a role in them maintaining their health. Uh, Cause you look across the board right now and they're not, there's no superstar other than Miro that's really playing, you know, what you would call superstar minutes. 
Um, and, and they have some. They have Jason Robertson or, or uh, Rope Hintz is a great two-way center who you could really ride if you wanted to. Uh, you know, Esselindell, I what, early in his career, is playing 24, 23, 24 minutes, and he's now down to 18 or 19. Um, so all those things and the way that, you know, the coaching staff does things, I think it's helped one, keep them healthy, and then two, keep them energized. Uh, and, you know, as you go to that, you know, they haven't lost more than two regulation games in a row. Yeah. They've, you know, they, they've they had energy. They've had, you know, the ability to come up and play, you know, good games and not be affected by the schedule that much. Um, and, and I give them a lot of credit. I mean, obviously they've been healthy, but they also have a plan here that everybody matters. Everybody's important. Um, somebody was asking me about, uh, you know, whether Seattle or, or Minnesota would be better. And I'm like, you know, I don't even know. Like, I haven't seen a whole lot of scouting the other team from the coaching staff. It's like, what are we going to do? How are we going to play? And so, it, it, you know, in a seven-game series, you obviously have to worry about the opponent. But it's really interesting to watch the mindset of we're going to do what we do, and then they're going to have to adjust to us. Yeah, we. I think we talked about that in the summer when they yeah. first hired uh, Pete DeBoer. There's a little chicken-egg involved in there and you were touching on it too that uh, things can sail along as smoothly as they did this season and you can limit minutes and roll four lines and all that when you're having the type of success that they had and you're you have your lineup primarily every single night it's it's when you've lost four or five in a row and it's like okay urgency is really creeping in here now maybe we do need to play robo 22 minutes instead of 17 you know what i mean yeah and and if you get dwindled down to where you can't concoct three good lines or four good lines and and you're leaning heavily on your your top end in that then that hasn't but that wasn't the case this year and uh they they just rolled baby rolled all the way through it and and the the individual achievements were were linked and married to the the collective to the team achievements. And I love that. And, and they were kind of bold, you know, brazen without being fully cocky with how they wanted to, to go after things and what they thought about themselves very, very quickly. Uh, It it was, it it was impressive. So uh, let's just go through a few of them here. So Robertson, we're just watching the infancy of a superstar right now. I, I appreciate his hockey nerd commitment to getting better. You know, if you look at his rookie yeah. year, at home that, that first year, he was, he was dynamite. On the road, kind of ineffective. They, and part of that was, was the thing that we were just speaking of, that they didn't have a ton of depth. So it was, it was easier for teams to kind of lock on and, and shut down. And he wasn't that experienced. So coming out of that first year, I think Bones talked to him and said, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to find a way to be an effective player on the road for us. So you go into year two, and he was as effective away from home as he was at American Airlines Center. And then you push forward into the playoffs, and then they get in that series, and it kind of limited impact in the series against, against Calgary. So then you go to this season, record-setting. 
maybe the non Connor McDavid MVP of the National Hockey League all said, what did he finish? 30, 31, 32 points ahead of the next Dallas star in scoring? Yeah. Like, that's nuts. So another go, step. Go back to, you know, that line actually was really good defensively, too. They didn't give up a whole lot of goals. So they're all plus 30-something. Uh, so if you just take him and mix him in with, I know plus minus isn't the biggest deal, but, you know, as a two-way player on a two-way line, that should give him a lot of cred, too, if you're talking about, you know, one of the better players in the league. I think even Jason would agree that he he would finish third in the – voting for the Selkie on that line. On that line. I agree with that. You know, because you have one of the best two-way centers going in Rope Hints, and Joe Pavelski is yeah. massively underrated yeah. for his defensive yeah, play. One of Pete's quotes that I love is, uh, he always sticks in offensively when he talks about how hard Jason worked. <laughs> you know, Jason worked so hard at, at his offensive game. <laughs> And he said it like three or four times this year. (laughs) And look, not a slight to him because I I see him, I see him, you know, rubbing a little more paint here the last two or three weeks and a little bit of a playoff prep and, and not, not giving any quarter and honestly trying to be a real responsible player defensively. Uh, You know, it's just another one of these levels that he, that he has to get to it and and he, he seems to be working in that direction. But look, I, I would prefer that everybody's best offensive player isn't being told he needs to be a Selkie candidate too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let him like, shoot. Like just we're gonna live with the odd this and that. You know, you're you're not gonna be Eric Carlson, but we're we want you to do your thing and we'll We'll cover the other things. It's like kind of like having Yuri Lettinen on your line all yeah. the way through the years. So another step, though, for him would be showing that that same dominance on offense next week and, and through the playoffs. Yes. Not easy. Yeah. Playing really good teams that are drilling down game in and game out. But I think that's a, a major key to getting through this thing. And as we've said many times, though, man, he left a trail of goalie tears this season and just a baffling start and finish to a season. When you look at like for the first two months of the season, he was on pace to score 70 plus goals. Yeah. And then from March 1st on his, his points pace was 130 points. So the finishing kick was insane. Like it was just, three and four point games all over the place. It was like Oprah was standing on a couch (laughs) screaming, you get a three point game and you get a Jason Robertson four point game. And so do you, you Philadelphia Flyers and you Arizona Coyotes and all the rest of you. Uh, Tyler last night was talking about Wyatt and how he went five games and then had a slump. Then he, you know, put three in the last two games. And, And I think that's with Jason, too. I mean, you know. Even the greatest goal scorers in the the league are going to be streaky, but it's it's being able to you know navigate those down patches and then get back to being streaky again and getting back to having your swag, as the uh, players like to say. They do like to say that. 
Uh, a guy who is swagless but has tons of it is the sort of leader of the Finnish mafia, Miro Haskinen, who really just needed John Klingberg's governor taken off, right? Yeah. And he was a power play catalyst and the fulcrum to it and really took his offensive game into the stratosphere through that because he was, you know, you can even look at it this year. So Tyler, Tyler Sagan is, you know, he's a 20 goal scorer again this year in that. Would he have been a 30 goal scorer if he was on the number one power play? Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, but he, he would accept- tell you he would. <laughs> he, <laughs> well, he should. He accepted the role. You, you're going to, yeah. you're going to be on the second power play unit. And with that comes, reduced production. That's just the way it yep. is. The number one power play eats up a lot of oxygen. And with Miro running the number one power play, he was one of the best in in the league at doing that. His durability, his consistency, that elevated confidence. I, I saw more, more dictating play when he was on the ice, just a little more overall, hey, I'm kind of the big fish out here and I'm going to make some stuff happen. Not, not only does he make stuff happen, but he makes everybody on the ice with him better every single shift. He mops up many errors of others with his defensive game that looks so easy and breezy and his ability to just distribute the puck and put people in a good spot because of it is is as good as any in the league. So uh, I I loved watching him have a little more of a uh, coming out party. Yeah, and I think he's perfect for this coaching staff. James perfect for every coaching staff, but I don't know. They talk that That's like saying Yuri Lettinen was perfect for this coaching know, staff. It's like the Pete talked at the beginning and I think we all kind of had a little bit of fear of the the Lindy era coming back when they're, you know, greatest scoring team ever, but yeah, maybe not so great defensively. But Pete talked from the start we want to build on what's here because there's a lot of good defensive habits that are here. And so, you know, by having him and the day he was drafted, we were told, oh, his defense is ahead of his offense. I'm going, he's third overall pick. He's a, you know, 18 year old defense. And they're like, no, no, his defense is really good. He needs to expand his offense. And, and so to have that guy and then be able to work with, with Pete and, and Elaine, um, I just think, like I said, I, he would be a perfect fit anywhere, but I think they got, they understood him and he understood the coaching staff. And I think that worked out really well. I think you're right. Uh, who else stuck out? Pick well, another Wyatt, one. I mean, 19, I didn't, I'll, I think I've said this admittedly. I, I didn't think he was going to be that great. I watched him in Traverse City. I watched him in the training camp, the first eight or nine games. I'm like, eh, he's a 19 year old kid. He's going to get pushed around. He's, you know, he's really skinny. I, I just didn't know what kind of year he was going to have. And he just kept getting better and better and better. He never hit a wall. Uh, he understood the game more. He got more confidence. Uh, you know, what we've seen in the last, whatever, three weeks is a really good player. And, and you know, we always argue his second line, third line. That's their second line center. Yeah. And he is the legitimate NHL second line center at 19 years old. Yeah, he's like those kids in school who skipped grades. <laughs> uh, Mike, you may be more familiar with being held back or repeating. I'm not sure. 
you know. But but some kids got to skip forward, got to skip grades. Or in the sports uh, world, you played up. You played up yeah. ahead of your your uh, age group all the way through. And that's what he looked like. He was definitely playing ahead of his age group uh, this year. And the, the remarkable thing for me with him was that he plays center, which is a really demanding position uh, at any level, but certainly in the NHL. Face-offs, cover a lot of ice. It's not... In their system, it it it's not as centric to center iceman defensively because it's really first forward back when they're right. coming back into their own zone and helping out the defense more. You know, back in the day, it was your center had to be a third defenseman and had to be a high forward in the offensive zone and had to be a support guy on the forecheck and had to be a playmaker, and hopefully had to be a somewhat goal scorer. Like, all these things, right? And that's why a lot of young guys struggled when they were young and new in the league to just handle all of that. I mean, you're you're the most important player on the ice outside of the goaltender. Every shift, you're out there. And he came in and played center, and they never, ever had to move him onto the wing. You see a no. lot of young guys where it's like, okay – you know, he's getting beat, you're playing straight up against these top, you know, this guy's top center, whether it's Crosby or Barkov or McKinnon or McDavid or whatever you're doing. And it's just like, yeah, you know what? We're going to move him to the wing tonight and we'll move somebody else. He just played center. And he had a cop on his left wing. Yes. And Jamie. And that's the other one. I mean, the Benessance was so enjoyable to watch. Thousand games for him. Once again, plays all 82 games. You know, he stayed physical. He didn't pick up the penalty minutes he did a year ago. He he looked so much firmer with the puck for the most part. Was a, a major, major cog in their power play. Killed penalties a little bit. But if you looked at his ice time, you know, you, you, looked, you would look at the ice time, and if this team wasn't as good and if he wasn't as productive this, this season – you'd be like, yeah, you know what? It's probably going to continue to dwindle and the impact just isn't there. And the less minutes he played, the more impact he had. Yeah, It was awesome. And when you're watching the game, he seems like he's out there the same yeah, amount. I agree. Like his impact is such that he's when he's out there, you notice him. Yeah. And that's part of the beauty of that where I, I, I still believe it, it hurts them a little bit early in games, but – you absorb that and it pays off later in games. Yeah. Because, you know, when you when you roll four lines in first periods, it goes top line, second line, third line, fourth line. Now there might be penalties. Let's say you take a penalty. Your top guys don't kill. They're off for a little bit. Then there's a, a commercial break. You're gone for three minutes. And then you come back. Man, you can go seven minutes eight minutes without ever hitting the ice again with your yeah. best players but what it does give you is when they are on the ice it is full throttle foot through the mat because they are not they are not saving it for anything and they should be extremely fresh and if you get into that rhythm of all four lines going like that and everyone's playing well man that that is tough for the opposition to be able to handle and it obviously the the style they played 
where it was on the move a lot and forwards were just blowing the zone and leaving, and that really helped Jamie because uh, he didn't have to stop and start. He was on the fly, stayed physical, had a role with the kid. They were exclusive to one another since training camp and came up with the season that he came up with where uh, he finishes with 33 goals and 77 points at 33. Pretty good. Yeah, really good. Uh, Joe was the other big one, you know, hits a thousand points uh, as an American player. Not many have done that. Plays all 82. I'm, I'm amazed at that. Are you? Yes. Well, and again, so when Jamie hit a thousand, I think somebody said he'd missed 41 games in his career. And that's just, <laughs> that one amazes me. And then Joe at 38, you know, just every game he's there, shows up. Um, a lot of it is they take care of themselves. They um, do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm around here. Unlike you and I. Well, you used to. Me in particular. <laughs> uh, but I'm around here and like anytime you want to go up there, Jamie's working out. Yeah, I, I think he goes up to, to BC for two weeks and then he's right back here doing whatever he's doing. And Joe, I know uh, he very much is concerned with his diet and and his workouts and just, you know, getting every last ounce out of this. Um, there was a player, I don't know, way back when, who said it's really hard when it's over. Like this was, you know, he was trying to get a job in scouting or something like that. And he was watching one of the practices and just said, you just don't know how hard, how hard it is when it's over. And, and I think Joe knows that. I think Joe wants to make this go as long as he can make it go. Well, from your comments about why Johnston earlier, you're never getting a job in scouting, Mike. I don't, I don't <laughs> care true. how many people. Hey, I like Stan Coven. I thought he was great. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, by the way, uh, the, speaking of uh, people that are giving it their all every single game year after year are there in the fight laying it all on the battlefield i've done about 95 percent of all dallas stars games that have ever occurred hashtag warrior hashtag that is razor, impressive hashtag razor boy uh so anything else from the regular season you want to well, I did actually, I told you at the beginning of this, I wanted to interview you. Uh, so my question is on goaltending. Oh my God. And oh, technically, yeah. Jake technically speaking, <laughs> what makes Jake so good? Like you watch Ben Bishop and he's a huge guy and he's very uh, mechanical. He's, you know, in his right position and, and, and all of those things. And, and Jake is similar, it seems like, but he also mixes in the athleticism. Uh, so I just, as a goalie, what do you see about his game that you really like that we haven't talked about. I, obviously, his emotion is, is huge and his confidence is huge. But like when you watch him, what is it about him? He's a great athlete. I think that helps. Are you are you asking me or are you just going to answer as you ask me the question? Uh, I was told to ask longer questions and just make a statement. <laughs> I just said that at the beginning and all of a sudden you went <laughs> down a meandering, circuitous question. Mike, uh, I think it's just luck. I, I don't think he's that good. <laughs> He's That's what Robertson always says about yeah. him. <laughs> I think he's just very fortunate. Uh, look, it, your your point about athleticism is the biggest thing with with both of those guys that you sp uh, well. Re if you look at, and I'm not I'm not underselling Eddie Eddie Belfour. I bet he was a good athlete in other sports too. It was just so long ago, but Marty Turco is one of those guys that w whatever sport you're playing is 
is going to be good at it. And Ben Bishop, at his size, proved that he's a great athlete in in multiple sports. He played baseball, and he could probably whack a golf ball, and obviously in, in hockey and that. And it's the same with Jake. Jake's an incredible athlete. It's unbelievable these guys nowadays that play my position. At their size, you know, 6'5", 220, that athletic. They're helped by the, you know, feather-like equipment that they wear, sure. But that's a huge part of it. He he is, I mean, myopically focused on his, the job at hand. He He's getting... He's actually getting better with experience. You can't get better without experience. Uh, and and he's getting lots of good experience, which is the best kind of experience. Uh, I You know, we had him on after the game last night. And to me, this he, he's got the greatest mix of athletic arrogance that is he, – he's not shy about stating it, but it never, ever comes across as, well, he's an arrogant such and such, and what a cocky – it, it's never that. Like, just congratulating him on 37 wins last, last night, third most in franchise history, and he's like, yeah, it, I, I want to get that record. <laughs> like it was, a, it was like <laughs> yeah. immediately out of his mouth. He's like, yeah, I want the record. And it's just like it, – but it's just like a statement of this is something I'm going to do, not, yeah, you know, I, I want his record. And you're like, oh, really? It's not that easy to win 41 games, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that the, there's that with him. He he's learned, and and Jeff Reese has done an incredible job uh, with all the goaltenders. But with him, he was just salivating to have a young netminder to help groom a little bit. Uh, he he has net presence, and and swagger, and I believe that the opposition looks and they're like, we got to be. It's like Vasilevsky. It's it's like these these great goaltenders of of past, you know, Brodeur, uh, Patrick Waugh, you, you know, run through the gauntlet of all of these great goaltenders where shooters are thinking and teams are thinking, we got to be almost perfect in order to beat this guy because they're not going to beat themselves that much. And he he's already at this age, at that point where, you know, he if, if he's making it look really easy, and at times he does, it just and it looks like well man he's just taking everything in the belly button like what's hard about that? It means that his legs are getting him to perfect positions and his eyes are working to find the puck through all those bodies and sticks and everything that's going on at the rapid pace that the game is played right now, and he's just making it look like yeah these are routine one routine yeah. after another after another. Although the one thing I I think he's going to get better and better and better at as as he gets a little bit older and maybe, maybe a little looser uh, with his approach to it are, are going to be like breakaways and shootouts and that kind of thing with his size and that athletic ability, he should be almost uh, unbeatable. Um, And, you know, you think back to when Turco Turco got beat on his first penalty shot um, way back. We were, playing Ottawa, the first penalty shot that he faced. And it it was uh, Carrie Underwood's husband that scored on him. <laughs> <laughs> and he never let another one in the rest of his career. That's incredible. That is impressive. And that was, you know, some of that was pre, 
uh, shootout coming in. Where yeah. and now, you know, a penalty shot doesn't have the same sort of excitement and, and titillation that it did back then. But back then, it was a big moment in a lot of those games. And all all the games were one-goal games. Right. And uh, it, it was very impressive. And I, I think that's I think that's one more step that he can get to. The fact that he only lost 11 games in regulation this season. Yes. Which is, you know, Eddie, Eddie Balfour had that remarkable uh, season back in 97, 98, when he won 37. He only lost a dozen in regulation. And there were no shootouts back then, obviously. And were we playing five-on-five five overtime back then, right? I can't remember. Once they got Probably. into overtime, or yeah. were they just ties? I don't even remember. Uh, but but I, I think that I think that's near miraculous to only yeah. have that. And again, if if he'd have found one, two, three, four more pucks, and a few guys had found the back of the net at the other end of the rink, he would have had Turco's record this year, likely. You know, yeah. he only needed five more, and he lost eleven times in shootouts and and overtime this year. The other that good thing answer? that's interesting. It's a great answer. That's my take. Uh, uh, a bunch of people have told me he's a sponge. And I'm like, what, what does that even mean? You know, he's, he's a goalie. And, and then he talks about being around the veteran goalies that were here, like Bishop, like Hudobin, you know, like Holpe, and that he watched it all. And, you know, when he was up in the bubble, that wasn't just, hey, I'm here for a good time. He was working on his game, whether that was mentally or or just, you know, understanding what he needs to do as a goalie. Uh, and, and that's a, another impressive thing about him. Like, he, that makes me think, well, he's just going to get better, just like yep. Jason Robertson's just going to get better yeah well success leaves clues it always does and the modeling process is one of the greatest things for any athlete find yeah somebody that, that has done what you want to do and copy them <laughs> you know every, the league's a copycat league and especially for uh, a big netminder i think to have uh to have bishop around just to watch him you know and another american it was it was like a perfect mentorship. I know he thought the world of Holtby, and it was just a brief time, but you have a Stanley Cup winning goaltender in him. There's clues that come off of that. So you have all those things, and then you just have a natural competitiveness in him that you can see. Like, it's just it's just natural. And that's the great – I think the greats at that position, you know, some have always shrugged kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever – but when they get into the actual game and it's it's goaltender shooter it's that kind of thing the the ones that separate themselves are the ones that just have that fierce competitiveness in there i mean i've never seen anyone better than dominic hashik with that and and patrick was that way obviously the yeah. eagle was that way eddie was very competitive very competitive uh, and and Marty loved to win, and Marty's Marty was a, always a different animal. But he, he he reminded me more of like my time with Grant Fuhrer, where you know Grant would give it that old oh, shucks, happy go lucky kind of thing. But the reality was he wanted to win, and when it was on the line, he wanted to be at his very best, and that is a special special quality. So yeah. uh, as as Otter told us last night, his, his whole goal this season, his whole goal this season was to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. I love that. Yes. It's like, if you're doubting any of that and you're thinking I'm a flash in the pan, watch this. Hold my beer. Here we go. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, these opponents quickly, and then we'll get out of here, unless you have anything else. No, no. Well, I was, uh, was going to uh, do the segue of thinking of his mental strength and potentially playing Minnesota, uh, and that would be just a moment for for Jake Ottinger. Well, yeah. I mean, the the potential series against the Wild in general has yeah. oodles and oodles of storylines. I mean, division rivals – Robertson and Kirill Kaprizov, and and they're going to be linked forever. Came into the league at the same time, one two in, in rookie of the year. You have Klingberg with them. You have Suter with the Stars. You have Ottinger, a Minnesota born uh, guy. You have our old boy Billy Garrett. Like it's just it's just dripping. It's yep. just waiting. It wants this to happen. That might not be the best scenario, though. The no, best scenario might be the other one. And if it is the other one, I mean, it looks like the best case scenario you could have because you have a second-year team in the Kraken who have had goaltending question marks all season and getting a lot of mileage out of a lot of people. They're, they're kind of spread like the stars in what they create. And then you would have the kids going uh, mono a mono in Johnston and Beneers and whatever else you can come up with, Mike. We can go throw fish at the market in Seattle. (laughs) Uh, The travel would not be as easy uh, as Minnesota, but uh, I I do think the fact that if they could try and get it over with in less than seven games. What are you going by, stagecoach? Well, and then, you know, there's this broadcast element of sometimes these people don't like to start their games at 930 at night. Wait, that's why I was just covering what, what I talked about in the beginning. That they can come you back and watch yes. the highlights. Nine minutes is all we're asking. <laughs> I only give them five. Well, no, nine. <laughs> that's right. Five minutes, but plus the interviews. Well, it's got to it's got to add up to nine, ten. At, yes, at, at the, by the end of people the night. have ten minutes. Mike, please tell me they have ten minutes, let For alone a two game. and a half hours. Uh, you have Jamie Alexiak out there, the big rig. Yep. That would be a, a former involved in that one. Uh, yeah, it would uh, look. It's playoff hockey. It doesn't really matter. It's so much fun. It's such a great building out there too in Seattle. It, it really is. It, I, yes. I don't know what they're going to have going on for playoffs, but they'll have something. I mean, the the whole thing is driven by Hollywood with Bruckheimer involved. There, there might they might turn it into an, an epic series. Well, it will be an epic series no matter what, but it might go on celluloid or. Do they even do that anymore? Am I dating myself? Does it just go on digital? Uh, yeah, I think it's all. Where does it live, digital, Mike? Where does it know. live? <laughs> It seems like digital will be easier to edit. Yeah. So good. yeah, I'm I'm going with digital. Uh, the other thing uh, is uh, those jerseys. Be a pretty nice uh, jersey versus jersey matchup there. Yeah, that's appealing to the eye, Mike. Yep. We like that. That you know what they call that? They call that. They call that pop. Ooh. Yeah, pops. That's a that's a matchup that visually pops. Optically love fest. Uh, I don't know what... Oh, the one other thing I wanted to mention was this is an incredible overall season of offense around the league. And the Stars were were a part of that uh, with, you know, 100 points and 
40 goals and all these things. Uh, the the 100-point seasons for teams and, and for individuals was, again, staggering. But the other end, end of it, the the goaltenders and, and save percentage took a hit. So I was, I was looking at this. I think it's, it's a key indicator of the slippage in defensive hockey and probably coaches just asking for near perfection and not accepting turnovers and mistakes as much as they do now and a more skill obviously coming into the league. But there's been an ascent of offense. So 10 years ago versus this season, if you look at you know about a decade, if I asked you 10 years ago how many teams, their tandems or, or goaltending stables, how many finished with a save percentage over 91% 10 years ago? Mm. Not as many teams in the league back then. but No, I would say probably 10? 18. Wow. How many, That's you know, impressive. Going going into yesterday, do you know how many this year were over ninety one percent? And this is out of thirty two. Um, well, now you've led me into this uh, guess of seven. Close nine. Nine from eighteen to nine. That's half. I see that That's, math there. That is solid education there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you went a little higher, teams over 92%, which is a, a scintillating save percentage. Yes. Back in my day, j- just to give you a handle on it, like if you got, if you were hovering around 90%, you were kind of getting the job done. And then yeah. Dominic Hasha came along and took it to 93% and screwed all of us. But 92% 10 years ago, how many teams? Uh. 18, 5? 11? Is that what you're five? trying to think of? That's what I'm saying, 5. Well, Mike, teams over uh, 91%, there were 18. Correct. Teams over 92%, there were 5. Do you know how many this year? Over 92? Zero? One. Yeah, Boston. Hmm. Boston's oh, at 93 right, Boston. Boston's an outlier. There are two big outliers this or three big outliers this year. The Boston Bruins, Connor McDavid, and Eric Carlson. Interesting. Isn't it, though? So uh, a decade ago, you know how many 100-point scorers there were in the league? Is that the year Jamie won with 87? No, 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 no. No, Evgeny Malkin won the scoring title. What? Okay. He had 109 points. He had 109 points. He was the only player with 100 points. There... There, have, there are, what, th- uh, 12, thir- 13, 13 or 14 this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm, it's the best thing that has happened to this league in a long time. Because all these other sports, you know, whether it's, what did they do in baseball? They raised, lower the mound, uh, the, the three-point line in, in basketball, you, you, you can't even look sideways at the quarterback in the NFL anymore it's a flag and and all that was was brought in to drive offense and they whittled down goaltenders pads a few years ago there's been talk about making the net bigger and you know only playing with four players on the ice and all this stuff and and yet what people were always missing was 
the true key to this is behind the bench in suits. Yeah. That they're, they're the key to it. If, if you have a bunch of guys that are basically suppressing offense for defense and won't live with mistakes, because hockey's the great, greatest game of mistakes, the randomness, and there's always mistakes. You can't figure out what's going on. And the more mistake hockey there is, the more exciting the hockey is. Yeah. And the more creative the hockey is. And that's what we're getting here now. So one more fun fact on this, and then we'll squeeze out of here. Ten years ago, do you know who led all defensemen in scoring in the league? No. Ten, eleven years ago, whatever it was. Do you know? No. Eric Carlson. Ah, look at you bringing it all back. Isn't that something else? He led the NHL. He was with Ottawa. 78, yep. 78 points. Highest scoring defenseman. Yeah. He has 100 plus this year. What a season for him. He's an offenseman, though, not a defenseman. Yeah. I changed his whole name. Rick Wilson wouldn't like his game. No. No, would not. Would not. Fun season. Uh, real, real fun. It was a blast. They went from minus eight in goal differential to plus 67. That was the one I pulled out last night. It well done. Shocking. Well done, coaching staff. Steve Spott and Pete DeBoer, uh, Nazi, uh, the the boys in the back that feed them all the video, just all of them involved. Some analytics, new newly concocted analytics division deeper into that. And with it all, they were an excellent defensive team. Never lost sight of that. A top 10 offensive team and are going to be an absolute beast for other teams to get through uh, come playoff time. So uh, fun all around. It was a beautiful salutes to individuals that set uh, major standards. You know, Robertson standing ovation, Haskinen standing ovation, Pavelski standing ovation, and our boy Steve Sumner, Sudsy, who is shutting it down after uh, 22 seasons in – uh, the back room and taking care of of players and catering to millionaires and keeping secrets and giving coaches, you know, an insight into the room and listening to players and, and their complaints and all that and lugging our broadcast trunks all over God's <laughs> green acre. Uh, I think he's going to stay involved. He worked for eight different head coaches during his time here gosh and started when american airlines center started interesting basically just just an amazing uh amazing run for sides he was a great guy so all that's going on i was giving him a hard time last night i said you're not going anywhere I said, you know the why are we celebrating you you're still here and he goes i'm hoping to be here for at least two more months and i thought that was a really good comeback because yeah. he really that would be a great tribute to him if they can take this to the Stanley Cup Finals. It, it would, and uh, and for a lot of people. It, now it's just about health, luck, and execution. Yeah. You have those three things, basically. You can't, you can't have two or three and win the Stanley Cup, I don't believe. No. You have to have a degree of luck. You oh, yeah. have You have to stay healthy, and you have to execute – whatever it is that makes you a great team. And the Stars have a lot of guys with playoff experience. They have a healthy Tyler Sagan, which they haven't had heading into the postseason very much. 
And now they just got to keep everybody up and running and, and play to their ability. And I think they'll smoke through some teams and we'll see if they can get themselves all the way to the finish line, take another picture with a big chalice in front of them. That would be nice. We'll cover it all five to nine minutes at a time. <laughs> right here on the uh, Podman Rush. We'll talk to you again at the end of the round, in between rounds is what we're going to call it. It's going to be Podman Rush Between the Rounds, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Tom, turn it off. You're done. We're off. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon, everybody. Go Stars! You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Go Stars! Want to stay up to date on what's happening with your favorite team? Now you can by signing up to become a Dallas Stars insider. The bed and a shot stops, take it, rebound, score! Get the scoop on the latest team news, exclusive ticket pre-sales, contests, and much more. Delivered right to your inbox. Ran himself right into oh, it. Oh, How in the world? Subscribe today and start getting yours at DallasStars.com slash insider.